Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh. I hope you're having a phenomenal week. And today we're talking about some limitations. You know, those habits you have that turn a conversation into a fight or make you avoid a conversation altogether because you know it won't go well. These kind of traits that you absolutely need to develop and strengthen to improve every area of your life, but they aren't so fun to talk about. When I think about fun in my life, I think about travel and friends, my family, my businesses, and all the amazing and cool things. I don't necessarily think about these traits, although these traits I'm going to lay out for you today are absolutely essential in your personal growth and the growth of your relationships, both at home and at work. I've grown so much in my emotional intelligence over the years, and these skills have made my life so much better and easier. So if you know someone who's on this personal development journey, trying to build their best life and they're scratching their head like, how the heck am I going to figure all this out? Introduce them to this podcast, please. I know I can serve them too. And it's my mission to help as many people as possible build a life they absolutely love. Now, let's dig into emotional intelligence so you can make your feelings more manageable and continue building yourself into a person you love and respect. Just to give you an idea how important this topic is, I want to give you some facts. There was a 40-year study at UC Berkeley that reported that emotional intelligence is nearly four times more powerful than IQ at predicting success. Also, an internal study at PepsiCo revealed that managers with high EQ levels, EQ is emotional intelligence, high EQ levels outperformed annual targets by 15 to 20%. And another study by Motorola showed that 93% of employees at Motorola plant became more productive after adopting different emotional intelligence programs for stress relief. You guys, this is huge. This stuff is big and probably really not talked about very much. So what exactly is emotional intelligence or EQ? What does it mean to be emotionally mature? Emotional maturity means having the self-control to manage your emotions and work to understand them. As an emotionally mature person, you don't view emotions as a weakness. Instead, you value them and don't try to hide from them. There are five key elements to EQ. They are self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Now, let's break these down one by one. And we'll start with self-awareness. 
Self-awareness is the ability to recognize and understand your own emotions. But beyond recognizing your emotions, it's also being aware of the effect of your actions, moods, and emotions on other people. Obviously, your feelings affect your actions, right? And that affects the people around you. So it's understanding all of that, why you feel what you feel. People with high self-awareness know their own strengths and limitations, don't overestimate themselves or downplay their strengths, right? You're very comfortable and confident with your strengths and limitations. And you've heard me talk about this a lot too. I always say one of my greatest keys to success is understanding my own limitations, Because I have to be able to work around that stuff. I have to have the self-awareness to know I have limitations. None of us are good at everything. So I have to understand the things I'm not great at so that I can work around them. I need to hire people to do those things or put systems and processes in place to support me to do it when it's not so easy for me to do, whatever the thing is. Also, people with high self-awareness have a good sense of moral values and purpose and can more easily control thoughts and behaviors. Because you have the awareness of what they are, what's happening, I'm feeling this, and typically I would respond this way, but now I'm going to respond a different way. I've talked about this before, too, with my temper. Once I became self-aware of my temper and how my words affected other people, I was then able to change that behavior. And I'm not saying that it was easy to look at those things. It's not easy to look at your own limitations, your behaviors, your reactions, and really own it. It's not easy, but it's necessary. So we all need to do this. People with low self-awareness often get trapped in people-pleasing, right? They have a hard time accepting and hearing feedback from others and make excuses when it comes to facing those hard truths. This is big, and sometimes it's easier to identify with the negative things than it is to identify with the positive things. And I really want to get into this this people-pleasing. People-pleasing is a really difficult trait that a ton of people struggle with. And so is having a hard time accepting and hearing feedback from others. But if you don't get feedback from others, how are you going to improve? Because we're not great at judging ourselves from an objective standpoint. So you need that feedback from others. What I see so often is the knee-jerk response to feedback from others, especially if somebody's giving you a hard truth or it's coming in a way that isn't so kind or during a fight or an argument is immediately people want to get defensive and fight back and defend why that's not true. But the real truth is if somebody's giving you feedback, especially somebody that knows you well, a family member or your partner or spouse, if they're giving you some feedback about your behavior, there is absolutely some truth in what they're saying. The people that know you better than anybody else can give you the best truth. Instead of getting defensive and wanting to fight against that, that's a great opportunity 
to take it in and go, wow, what parts of this are true? Is what they're saying true? Do I need to look at some of this stuff instead of getting defensive? Now, to make your self-awareness better, take things slow. When you're having some anxiety or anger or any of the other strong emotions, just stop. Take a deep breath and pause. How often do we talk about this pause, (laughs) right? You have to get to the main cause of your emotions by asking yourself why. And you keep asking yourself why until you get to the root of the issue. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I responding this way? Why is this a button for me? And then acknowledge those weaknesses or whatever your limitations are. Understand that you have them. Everybody has them. And this isn't an exercise to see how bad you are, but it's a chance to acknowledge where you can make some growth happen. You can also journal about this. If you're really unaware of your thoughts or why you do things, then that can be your first sentence in a journal entry. Um... I'm feeling the urge to escape or I'm feeling angry and I'm not sure why. And then just keep writing. Keeping a journal helps you focus your thoughts and see what you're really going through. So the next one is self-regulation. And in addition to self-awareness that we just talked about, Being an emotionally mature person requires that you are also able to regulate and manage your emotions. It's the ability to keep harmful emotions and thoughts and impulses under control. If you can actively regulate yourself, you are less likely to verbally attack others, especially when you are mad or in a fight with your partner and you're in that fight, flight, or freeze and everybody usually wants to fight, you know, that that self-regulation gives you the ability to manage that and control those responses. This doesn't mean stuffing your feelings or putting your emotions on lockdown or hiding how you really feel. It means that You wait for the right time and place to express your emotions appropriately. It also means that you're flexible and you can adapt to change. And this to me is all about what we always talk about in this arena of addiction and recovery. It's really about impulse control, instant gratification, right? Those are things that will get you in trouble every time in every way. I have to be able to self-regulate. I have to be able to push the pause button. We talk about this all the time, pause. The ability to pause is incredible and that's what self-regulation is. People with strong self-regulation skills also tend to be thoughtful about how they influence others. And it means you're able to take responsibility for your own actions. So people with high self-regulation are able to control their thoughts and actions. You're more flexible with changes in your circumstances or your environment. And you hold yourself personally accountable for the things that are happening in your life. No blaming others, right? You hold yourself accountable for what's happening in your life. 
people with low self-regulation are impulsive and give in to bad habits, have low self-confidence and low self-esteem, and have angry outbursts and treat other people really pretty crappy. It's very unfair behavior. So how do you get better at self-regulation? Focus on self-accountability. If you've missed a deadline or you're running late or you screwed something up at home or you told your partner you were going to do something and you didn't do it, whatever it is, don't play the victim. Be accountable for your actions and what happened. If you were late, don't blame it on 25 other things. Well, this happened and that happened and that happened. If you're late, you're late. You're late because you woke up late or you left the house late or whatever the thing is. But it was a series of your actions that led you to be late. So take responsibility for that. If you didn't follow through on something for your partner, you said you were going to do something you didn't, take responsibility for that. I didn't make it a priority. It didn't get done. I apologize. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to try harder in the future. Take responsibility. Don't blame it on 25 other things. Your choices lead you directly to your circumstances. Take responsibility. And the other one is adapt to changes around you. Things are always going to change. You have to have the flexibility to roll with it when you are faced with a stressful situation or things don't go your way. Take a deep breath and focus on the things that you can control. So next we have motivation. Essentially, motivation is the underlying drive to do well and achieve your goals. Again, this can be at home, this can be at work, at church, at wherever. And there are a lot of factors that influence motivation. When you are self-motivated, you typically have high standards for your life or your work and high standards in terms of the effort that you put in and your ability to manage your time and be consistent. So people with high motivation think of their goals often. You have the awareness. You are present and aware of what your goals are, and they are top of mind because you want to achieve them. You are able to get things done in a timely manner. You feel positive and are excited to accomplish your goals. People with low motivation distract themselves with unnecessary things like endless Netflix binges. You have a hard time focusing on important tasks and tend to procrastinate. Listen, I fit both of these, right? Sometimes I'm really high motivation. Sometimes I'm really low motivation. But I definitely struggle with motivation and the consistency of it. So how do you boost your motivation? Think big picture. When your motivation is low, oftentimes it's because you're feeling burned out or overwhelmed. You start to lose sight of the long-term big picture and you get inundated in the overwhelm of the short-term tasks, right? Instead, 
Well, that's what makes us fold. Those short-term tasks make us fold to instant gratification. I want to relieve this. This doesn't feel good. I don't like this. So I need to do something pleasurable. And then we procrastinate and we don't get our stuff done, right? This is like really explaining my life. So (laughs) remind yourself what your goals are and what they'll achieve for you in the future. And you know, I'm a believer. You hear all, you hear this all over the place, like find your why. This is what that means. Think about what these goals will achieve for you in the future. And to stay connected to that, you have to know the big picture why. I don't work so hard because I have an overwhelming desire to work so hard. I work so hard because I want the freedom it brings later in my life. It's And that goes for the gym, for my businesses, my family relationships. I invest in those because of the big picture, what it will bring me in the future. Same thing with my recovery. I want the freedom and ease of life that recovery and emotional maturity bring me. When I was drinking, I had so much drama and chaos, and my life was full of unmanageability, unmanageable in every way. My emotions were unmanageable. My living situations often were unmanageable. My financial situation was unmanageable. My family relationships were unmanageable because there was drama and chaos in all of the areas of my life. As a person in recovery, as a sober human, an emotionally mature person, I don't want unmanageability. So the more I have self-awareness and the more I have self-regulation, the more I work on these skills, it removes all the drama and chaos in all those areas of my life. And I don't have that overwhelming unmanageability anymore. That's what brings freedom and ease of life, not being so emotionally overwhelmed and reactive all the time. Now I get to just be and be comfortable and be happy and figure out solutions for struggles as they arise. And that's it. No chaos, no drama, no unmanageability. That's the big picture why. That's how you stay connected to your goals and boost your motivation. Understand your big picture. It's freedom. It's happiness. It's ease of life. It's comfort. All of those things are my big picture. And that's what you have to get connected to. That's what will boost your motivation. Also, think about optimism, right? Instead of being a pessimist, think about being an optimist. Now, of course, like a good pessimist, I would always say that I'm a realist. (laughs) And I think there are some things when you've done something over and over and over again, and you know what the result is going to be, like you've had the experience, whatever, like that's being a realist. But in so many situations, we really cut people short, don't trust people, don't trust situations, and we really sell ourselves short having a pessimistic attitude. Instead, lean toward optimism, or as I say, be curious. 
What if this time was different? What if I did it better this time? What's possible? What could this look like? I wonder what this will be like. Be curious instead of deciding in advance that you're going to have a negative outcome. Next on the list is empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and connect with someone else's feelings or at least connect with their reactions to things, right? This is huge in relationships with people. Again, in every area, it doesn't matter if we're talking about home or work or church. You can't exactly walk in other people's shoes. Sometimes we can. We have those same experiences. You hear me talk about this a lot when we talk about rock bottom moments in that our details are not always going to match exactly. That's why I don't talk about my details so much in my rock bottom moment because it can be divisive. So our details aren't always going to match. Our feelings are going to be exactly the same. Regardless of what happened to make you feel bad about your drinking, how bad you feel about it is exactly the same as how bad I felt about mine. So we'll always be able to connect in the feelings, not necessarily the details. When you can imagine yourself in the situation of others, in those situations and those feelings and responses, it helps with overcoming different challenges. People with high empathy care about the people around them and listen to their opinions. They actively listen in conversations rather than trying to butt in or interrupt. Interrupting is a horrible thing to do, by the way. Actively listen in a conversation instead of trying to butt in and cut somebody off. Also, people with high empathy are better able to understand their own emotions. And again, this is where we want to start, right? What was number one? Self-awareness. It's understanding your own emotions. And you will see this. There's a reason self-awareness was number one, because you'll see that theme repeat over and over and over again. So if you lack emotional maturity, that's where I want you to start. Self-awareness. Just start there. Work on that. Back to empathy. (laughs) People with low empathy Um, often think about emotions as weakness and they don't want to show emotion because it makes them feel weak. And this can make you really come off as rude and arrogant. And you, because you can often criticize others for expressing their emotions, or you can be intolerant of people expressing their emotions. I used to be so bad at that. And I was rude and arrogant. So (laughs) this used to be a real challenge for me. And I say it used to be a real challenge for me. I have grown a lot in this area. I also have to continually, here we go with self-awareness again. I have to continually be aware of my behavior in all these areas. It's not like you work on this stuff once and you're done and it's fixed forever. These are things like everything else in life that ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm great at them. Sometimes I'm not. When I'm particularly stressed out, my empathy probably goes down, right? So this is consistent work that we do on an ongoing basis, but empathy is powerful. So how can you improve empathy? If you have low empathy, how do you get better? Ask questions. If you are one of my clients that works with me privately as your coach, 
you are probably laughing right now to hear me say this because I say it all the time. Ask questions. Ask questions. (laughs) Don't go into a conversation or a conflict or whatever assuming things. Don't assume you know. Well, you did this because you think this or you wanted this. Don't throw all your BS assumptions on the other person. Ask questions. Why did you respond that way? What happened there? What made you feel that way? How can I help? Ask questions. You also want to pay attention to people's body language. Even when you are trying to listen or pay attention, your body, you physically may be giving a very different vibe right? Like, are you fidgeting? Are you not making eye contact? These are all signals that you're not listening. Are you checking your phone? Are you looking around you instead of looking at the person talking to you? These are things you can start with to improve your empathy skills. Watch your body language, make sure you are, and that's why we call it active listening, by the way, because it's it's action. It's taking action. It's actively engaging in listening to someone else when they're speaking. They also say that pets can be a huge component of increasing or improving your empathy because especially with nonverbal communication, because pets make it easier for you to understand and consider the feelings of others. Next, we have social awareness. Now, this is your ability to recognize and interpret social cues, right? These are social skills. This makes your communication better. So, Social skills help you deal with different situations, Um, obviously in a social environment, right? People with high social awareness know how to gracefully exit a conversation, especially if it's tense or uncomfortable or if you're not even directly involved in it, right? Like you know how to gracefully exit. People with high social awareness are also good at avoiding arguments, And you're able to control the flow of conversations. And this is something I talk about in my own relationships a lot, romantic relationships. I'm not great at all the things, but I will tell you one thing I'm great at is communication because I've worked really hard on it and I've studied it and I've learned it and I've practiced it. And being able to control the flow of a conversation has been a life-changing skill for me. Because even if my partner is getting elevated or upset, angry, losing their temper, I am able to control the flow of that conversation and not let it elevate. So if my person is getting upset I'm good at saying, hey, listen, do we need to take a break? Because I don't want this to turn into a fight. I don't want to upset you. I just want to talk through it and find solutions for both of us. So if we need to take a break, cool, right? And that's just one example. But that's the social awareness piece and high social awareness. People with low social awareness 
Um, these are the people that you would think of that the word that comes to mind is awkward, right? Socially awkward, rarely get invited to hang out with others. They misread social cues and social dynamics. And you know, you can think about this social awareness so easily. Like think about when you're at a gathering or a party, right? And somebody says something inappropriate because they don't have the social awareness to recognize their surroundings or who they're talking to or what's appropriate and not appropriate. Um, A lot of times we can have these situations where lacking boundaries, right? Well, people will overstep a boundary and you're like, wow, was that really necessary? Because they don't see those, see and read those social cues and dynamics. That's low social awareness. So how do you improve your social skills, social awareness? Um, Give great compliments. This is a great way to kind of open up and get people talking. I love to compliment people too, because you know, we always talk about being of service. How can I make someone else's day better? I do this a lot with compliments. You know, compliment somebody's shoes or earrings or kids or whatever the thing is. Just say something nice, you know, and don't be fake. Like anybody can pick up on something fake, but give genuine compliments and go out and socialize. How do you develop more social awareness? You practice. Go to events, hang out with people, watch. Same thing like I said earlier, get curious. Watch people in a curious way. Oh, I wonder how this person's going to respond to this person. What's that body language like? Why is that person crossing their arms? Or why does that person look upset now? You know, get curious about people and behavior in social settings. Even a random trip to the store is an opportunity to practice social awareness. Strike up a conversation with somebody. Don't be creepy, but (laughs) that is a great way to do it. So why are these emotional intelligence skills so important? Because this can have such a massive impact on every area of your life, right? This allows you to keep your cool. It allows you to handle even the most awkward situations easily. It also allows you to help make others feel more at ease. And this is in your work life. You know, most of my clients are very high-functioning, high-level leadership people. And Emotional intelligence allows you to be a more effective leader, not only in the workplace, but also in your home. If you're a parent, a partner, leadership is a part of our everyday lives, whether we like it or not. This also is your communication, understanding how others are feeling. That allows you to communicate with them better. Self-knowledge, being more aware of what you're feeling, that self-awareness, that allows you to understand yourself better. Self-control or self-regulation, being aware of your feelings also allows you to work on your self-control abilities and keep your cool in tough situations. This also helps you manage your stress, which is ultimately what we all need to be doing on a daily basis. Our stress is out of control. And what happens is we run so low, our stress is so high, we deplete our resources to be so low that then we get into a stressful situation and we don't have any resources to pull from because we were already so low. 
So building your emotional intelligence skills has a positive impact on every area of your life. You become more aware of your feelings. This helps you build stronger relationships and makes you better in social situations. So let's recap the five key elements to emotional intelligence or emotional maturity, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Now, if you want to start working on these things, your emotional intelligence, here's what I would say. Pick one of these and just start focusing on that. Get some books, read about it, start practicing new behaviors, watch some YouTube videos, start keeping a journal to increase that awareness of yourself and what direction you want to go and what's most important to you to work on first. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.